Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. Good morning. Happy Thursday, everybody. It's Thursday. <laughs> so we're plowing through the week here. We're plowing through the week. Hopefully you're all having a great, great week. Um, if you are not, if you're able to turn on your cameras, I'd love to see your face. That helps with the energy. Um, love to see you all. And then I can include you in our topic. So today we're going to talk about, I actually got a request for this week. So I got some requests to talk about um, how to be a great buyer's agent. So I'm talking about how to be a great buyer's agent this week. So like I talked a lot about listings the last few weeks, and that's super important. Um, and I talked a little bit last week about buyer fatigue, and we kind of focused on that. Um, but I wanted to talk this week about What's the, what, what should we do to have a really incredible um, buyer's agent kind of process, right? So when we have our buyer's agent hat on, um, how, what can we do to provide exemplary, exemplary service? And I would love to include you guys in this. So as I kind of go through, I want you just to not be afraid. Unmute and jump in and tell me some things that you do so I can learn from you too. Um, but let's all the way. Oh, and let me remind you, my housekeeping stuff, let me remind you, um, all we we're Facebook Live, so for Facebook Live, we are um, on podcast and YouTube, and they're going to drop all that in the comments for me if you're here on agentpowerhuddle.com. If you're on Facebook and you want to jump on camera with us, and uh, we're agentpowerhuddle.com, but we're also on YouTube, um, and then we're we, you can listen to all of these replays in your car through your favorite podcast provider. So. Jump on and um, and listen listen to these in your car. I listen to lots of them um, and get a lot of value from it while I'm in my mobile office. So, okay, let's jump right into how to be a how to really love on our buyers and really take care of our buyers from beginning to end. They are exhausted, right? And those of us that are buyer heavy, sometimes we're sometimes exhausted. So we got to bring the energy, right? We've got to bring the energy and bring the hope to the process. It's not hopeless, right? Who's getting things under contract for buyers? I know we are. Show me some hands if I can see you. I know you got some buyers going under contract. So, okay. So, so do I. So it's not hopeless. It's just hard, right? It's a hard market right now. So I want to go all the way back to basics, right? So are we doing buyer consults? We've got to be doing buyer consults. That's the first thing. So when someone reaches out to me and they say, I'm interested in buying a home, and, you know, I'm getting a lot of calls more than ever before from people that are interested in renting a home, but they have great budget. Like I have $1,500 or $2,500 a month. And can you help me find a rental? No, but it can help you buy a house. No, I'm not saying it like that. But that's my goal, right? Is, well, sure, I mean, I could help you find a rental, but let's talk through why with this great budget, we're not looking to purchase. And sometimes people are calling me and they're telling me the reason that they're not looking to purchase is because they don't think there's anything to purchase because of just all the kind of word of mouth and news that they're hearing. They don't think it's possible. So they think it's, they're better off renting. I'm like, no, stop the madness. There are homes to purchase. There are new homes coming out every day. And yes, we do. We have more buyers than we have 
uh, home sellers? Yes, we do. Is that an, Does that make it impossible? No, it doesn't. It just means we have to be prepared for the road. We will get everyone under contract. You have to tell your buyers from the beginning, I will get you under contract. Even on the day you're not sure. You have to find a way to be sure. You will get, there is a home. Here's what I could, here's what I know for sure. There's a home out there for everyone. We just have to find it. That's it. In every market. I don't care. We just have to find it. And even when I have, oh, I'm so tired. I just don't know if I can do another contract for this buyer. Then I find the house. Then I find the house. So buyer consults have always been important. Guys, they are more important than ever. It gives you an opportunity to find out why they're purchasing a home or I just take those renter calls and turn them right into buyer consults. They don't know that. That's what I'm doing. They don't know that. I treat them the same, right? Why are they trying to rent? Lots of my rental calls are turning into purchases. So just it's just about the why. Um, and I can get it. If I don't want to help them with a rental and they really need to rent, that's the best thing for them, then we'll get them off to somebody that can help them. So, um, so buyer consults are super important. The other reason the buyer consult is important is this is your first opportunity. And I think you have to do it several times this year, especially. This is your first opportunity to find out what do they know about the market? What do they believe about the market? It's really important to know because perception is reality. So whatever your potential buyer believes about the market is true for them, even if you don't believe the same information, right? The same, or you don't have the same perspective. It's their reality. So we have to understand it. And then I always ask them in the buyer console of all the other things we could ask them, right? I always ask them, especially if you're, what do you know about the market, right? And what have people told you about the home buying process? What have your friends, family, parents, grandma, neighbor, great aunt, Betty told you about the buying process? And yes, I ask it like that. And it's kind of fun and they laugh. And But then they tell me, well, the seller will pay my closing costs. And they, right? And then we, yes, and Michelle, I love it. Michelle, Benson, I'm so glad you rolled your eyes because I'm rolling my eyes in my head when they say it. Okay, thank you. That's why I love you guys on camera. Thank you for doing that. Because that's but think about the average consumer. They're not in a day-to-day. So they do believe it and they have relevant evidence. Evidence helps them determine if it's true. What's the relevant evidence? Well, grandma got her closing costs paid for. Mom, their four best friends that bought houses. They're not thinking they bought a house that's three years ago, five years ago. Even if you bought a house two years ago, you're, I, I was telling buyers all the way through January of 2020, that if you buy with me, I'm going to get you all kinds of concessions. And I did. 99% of the time, I got my people concessions. Like, you wouldn't believe. Oh, they got a buyer concession in a year, folks. And I was like the queen of that. So it's the market has changed. So they're not wrong. It's just they don't understand what's going on now and why a seller is not motivated and why we don't have leverage anymore in this market to get some of the things friends and family got before. And you are the best person to have that conversation with them. You just are. You're the best person to have that conversation with them. And you're going to have it lots of times. So in different ways. So I start in the buyer console. Once I know what they believe, then I know what I need to tell them and what maybe I don't need to tell them. Sound good? Thumbs up? Okay. So we're doing buyer console. 
usually when they come to the buyer consult, I find out if they're pre-approved or not, right? Most of the time they're not pre-approved. So time to get them pre-approved. Um, I really try to get them with one of my lenders. Why? And I tell them, because if you work with them, one of my team that I'm familiar with, and you and they can pick, right? We've got choices. If they want to shop, we'll help them do that. They can shop. But if they work with someone that partners with me, then and it's local and has a great reputation, we're going to have a better chance of getting your offer accepted. We want to make sure, I tell them the truth, we want to make sure we're working with a lender that the other agents and sellers in this area are familiar with. That is so important to get the offer accepted. And that's the kind of market we're in. So in the buyer council, I've taught them about the kind of market we're in. So now when I'm talking about pre-approval, it seems to make a lot of sense that they need to work with someone local. So, and that I'm familiar with, so I can help them manage the process. Most of the time, even if they've started that process, they will talk and shop one of my lenders. And usually they'll go with one of my, my lenders. And all of, I've worked with them all for most of my career. So I can tell that I can find out a little bit in the buyer console about their needs and help match them to a lender that I think would be great for them. And if they want two, I can give them two and I'll tell them what I think of each one. I'm just honest with them and then give them that information. Um, then I help them set that appointment up. That's the next thing. I don't go, thanks, Matt. It was so great to talk to you. Go get pre-approved and call me back. By the way, do you know how many calls I've gotten from consumers who talked to someone before me that sent them off to get pre-approved and then they never re-engaged and then they called me and I was like, where are you at the pre-approved process? Let's go into a buyer consult. Let's figure this out. And I sold them a home. So, so it's really easy to send them off to do their homework. No, transition them, service, transition them. Let me set up that appointment with Craig. Let me set up that appointment for you with Matt, my lender who I love, blah, blah, blah right? Nathan, let me get you off to Charles. So I've got buyer consults packed into my calendar. Do I attend them? No, I don't need to be there. If they ask me to, I will. And we do a lot of them via Zoom. But if they ask me to, I will. I'll zoom in so and help them out. But usually I'm like, this is a time for you guys to talk. They're, they're going to ask you lots of personal information. You may not want me to know. My business. I just want to know your budget. So and have you ready to make an offer? So I get them off to do that. And then follow up, follow up, right? So then follow up goes in. So, so I'm doing the buyer consult. I get them scheduled for a pre-approval. I get that set up with the lender for them. I know when that is. Now, what am I doing? I'm, I use BombBomb. And before I used BombBomb, when I didn't have BombBomb, I did this via email. I'm sending them right after the call. The buyer consult is over. They're getting an email, which for me now has a video that says, hey, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our time together. I'm so excited about your appointment with Tom on Monday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. Hey, check your email. You know, you've got a Zoom link in there and you've got all my information right under this video. You've got all of Tom's information in that email for your buyer consult. It's service, right? I want them to feel super loved and like I am hand-holding them through the entire process. I promise you it doesn't take a lot of time, right? I, as soon as I end that buyer consult with them, that email goes off. Write a template. Makes it even easier. I've got templates. You can even pre-record your video where you can just, you're just like, hey, you know, and, and just say the things you need to say. And then that goes out every single time, right? You can refresh it when you feel like it. You don't have to record it every single time. So sometimes the follow-up backs up on us. Because 
Um, we're trying to personalize maybe even more than we should, right? So if that's getting overwhelming for you, write some of those templates and then your, your process, it's a process. How do I get a buyer to the closing table, right? It's a process. I do a buyer consult. At the end of my buyer consult, when I've let them go, I send off this email communication. I send off the text message. I send off this video, whatever you do. Everything I send is email and text and video, everything. I send one communication three times to everyone because until I would say, especially until I learn what they like, like when I learn that they've never opened an email, I can probably stop emailing them. Um, but they read all my text messages. Great. When I see that they only respond to me via text and they don't like to call me back, I'm texting them from now on. So I'm learning and I ask all these questions too on the buyer concept, like, hey, how do you like to be communicated with, right? But I learn because sometimes what they say is different from what they do also. So I learn as I communicate with them, right? So then I put a follow-up. I know when they're going to talk to the loan officer, right? So I just did this yesterday. So I have someone, so I did a consult yesterday, sent off all the communication. They are meeting with the lender Monday at 11 central. What's on my calendar for Tuesday, right? I am going to reach back out to them. How did it go with Tom? By the way, I will have heard from Tom by that. I will know. So, but how did it go with Tom from their perspective, right? It does. And even if it's a tax, if they told me they like the tax and I got a crazy Tuesday, then it's going to be a tax. But you want to handhold them through the process. Then when they say, here's how it went with Tom, I'm going, hopefully we have a number by then. If not, I let them know as soon as we get your, your budget. And they probably, usually they have a good idea by the next day, but as soon as we have your budget or now that we have your budget, I'm going to set you up on a wide search. I tell them all I'm setting them up on a wide search. I've always done this. I've always did the wide search because I always wanted them to get lots of homes and then we narrow it down. And now agents say to me, well, why would you do that? There's like two homes in the market. I don't care. That's mo It's even more important to set them up on a wide search now. So they get everything. So when they're saying, oh, I only want this neighborhood and north of here, I'm like, great, I know that. I don't want to get that granular because I don't want you to miss anything just in case. I'm going to set you up on a wide search. We'll narrow down from here. And I get them out a wide search right away. Also, get them on your app. If you have a CRM that has IDX search capabilities, right, you have an app. Probably. You likely have it up. So whatever your home search app is, get it on their phone. If you don't have that, most of us have HomeSnap nationally. HomeSnap has a great app. I used it when I didn't have the tools. So get them on HomeSnap because you can see, you can invite them, they accept, and you can see what they're favoriting. Not only do I get them on them, I call, I call them to say, hey, did you get the third grade? I want to make sure you have the app on your phone. And I tell them, hey, when you are in the app, you know, if you can use this little star and star homes. That's a favorite. And then I know what you like. Still tell me when you want to go see something, don't start and think I'm going to see it. Still tell me, but I can see what you like and I can communicate with you through the app. They all think that's cool. When I say I can communicate with you through the app, they get excited. And they're like, oh, you can? So I love that. Use your system. Because then when you're doing your regular follow-up and like, oh, you know, I've been working with this buyer for a while. I wonder, I haven't heard from them. Where are they at? You can see what they're doing. Are they searching? Are they not searching? What are they favoriting? If they're favoriting things you aren't hearing from them, what is going on, right? Let's reach out to them. All of my buyers get a weekly call no matter how long we've been working together, no matter what. If I'm not, if I, so it's in my calendar, right? Every Tuesday is when I do follow-ups. Um, 
I do seller and buyer follow-ups every Tuesday. They all know it. That's when they're getting calls. That's easier for me. You do any day of the week you want. That's just, I don't like to do it on Monday. And I get really crazy Wednesday on. So that's when I do it. Tuesdays work good for me. Um, so, and then when I send them the, the first search, um, I will follow up with them again in a couple of days, just back to my calendar. Hey, did you see anything you like? How'd that go? So one, to hear their feedback. Again, this can be a text if they're texters, whatever they are. So it doesn't, they don't all have to be phone calls. But I want to know what they thought um, so I can get feedback in case I need to adjust their search because sometimes what they tell us is different from what they do. So we have to listen with our to their actions, with our eyes a little bit. Um, and then um, I, I also, while they're pre-approved and they're doing the search, I send them off a little card in the mail. I use send out cards so I can send like as many cards as I want a month. I love it. Um, so I send them a little card and be like, congratulations, you know, you, you, you passed the first step. I know they're not going to get that for a while, but the day they get it, they're going to be so excited to get this card in the mail from me. No, who sends cards? Nobody sends cards. We, right? But I don't get that many cards in the mail. So when I get a card in the mail, I hope that I open that puppy right up to see what it is. So I send them a card just to be like, hey, yay, celebration. You got pre-approved. Um, and now we're looking for a house. I don't care if we found him a house the next day and got it under contract. I know that happens sometimes. They're still getting that car. Um, then when they, let's fast forward to they're, they're looking online, you're looking with them, you schedule the first showing. When we go to the first showing um, to start to look at homes, I find time to remind them of the offer process. One of the things I'm talking to buyers about uh, in the buyer consults is what the levers are we have in writing an offer. Because usually in this market, either because they've heard the market is crazy and it's going to be hard to get a home or because I told them that, one of the two, if they didn't know, I told them. Um, they're now, now that we're looking at homes, one of the things on their mind is, well, if I even want this home, am I going to be one of 50 people trying to get it? Well, maybe, yes, you might be. You might be. In my market, it's 12 to about 40 offers for every home. And I'm telling them that. So I remind them when we go out to look at a home and they're feeling like they like it, I start to talk to them about some of the things I talked to them on the buyer console because they probably forgot and it was a lot of information. So let's start to talk about if we were to offer on this house, what that would look like. So I already know their pre-approval. So I know if they're VA, FHA, conventional, right? And based on what they tell me, that's going to determine how I explain their bidding options to them, right? So no better time to do it than in person on a showing as you're kind of showing them homes. So I remind them of, hey, here are our options. And I want them, I don't want a buyer to think I'm making the choices for them. Because sometimes I think we our buyers ask us and we talk to them like we're telling them what to do. I want them to know, here's my professional opinion. You get to make choices, though. You get to make choices. And there's only so many levers we have, right? We have price. We have uh, inspection contingencies. We have appraisal contingencies. Um, we have... Um, we have loan, you know, if we have a choice of loan. So sometimes we have a choice of loan, sometimes we don't. So we only have so many levers that we can pull anyway. Um, we can help pick up seller costs, right? Um, we can talk, a lot of buyers are not familiar with that. What do you mean I would pick up the seller costs? So, um, okay, Anita, do you find that sellers are avoiding FHA? Yeah, 
Is that what you're asking? I'm sorry, FHA. So, yes to no. Um, I am finding that there's a lot of chatter in the market about FHA. When I run the numbers in my market, I'm seeing more FHA based on the chatter than I would have expected. It's actually pretty average to what it's been. So we're getting FHA offers accepted. I have personally coached some buyers that were able to move to conventional because of the number of offers I felt were going to be in the process. And they were actually able to do that and it worked out for them. But I also have put plenty of FHA buyers under contract um, that have a choice. So I'm seeing more FHA than I would have expected in the data. So I found that another one of those levers is you can give them like an extra 30 days for possession. In fact, I lost out on a house because somebody did that and I didn't. So that's a great lesson. So you gave extra time. So yeah, showing seller flexibility on move out times and possession, giving free rent back. You know, what are the things that we can do? Um, I have a friend in the industry. Some of you may know her. I'll just share, share it on social media. Rachel Kennedy, they, she wrote an offer for a buyer. And um, I love this because this is I had done on my list. Like after all, you pulled all the professional levers. Can you get creative? They they offered the seller a year's worth of supply of their favorite breakfast cereal. And they won. So she posted pictures of the frosted mini wheats in the back of her truck that they were bringing to the client at the closing. I'm like, fun, right? Like who knew that cereal would make a difference? And I'm sure the offer was amazing, right? But they got it done, right? Like such a ninja move, right? Like they got it done. Like I just think that is so fun. Um, so you know, I so I let the buyers know here are the levers we have to pull. Let's talk about what they're comfortable with. Here's the thing. This market is no different than any other market. Some buyers are on it and I tell them all the levers and they ask my opinion and I give it to them and they do exactly what I think they should do. Right. And it's, and I tell them, I don't have a crystal ball, but this is, I know we'll get us to the top. Will it get us to number one? I certainly hope so, but it's such a market. I don't want to make promises, but I want to tell you what I think is the best to do. And some of them are on it and they're they're like doing it. And then there's some that have to learn a lesson. They gotta learn a lesson. They don't they don't book the showing fast enough because they want to wait till Saturday because that's when they're off. And okay, okay, it's not gonna be there on Saturday. So and I tell them it's not gonna be there on Saturday, it's my opinion. And then it's not there on Saturday, and they're like, it wasn't it's not there today. Nope, it's gone. So next time, what are we gonna do? Right? <laughs> Sometimes the writers have to learn a lesson. So just know that and help them learn the lesson. And be humble through it. Like, I'm not a know-it-all, right? I don't know everything. So when they feel bad and they're like, oh, we should have done this. I'm like, it's okay. Now we know. When we know better, we just do better. So next time we'll just get a little faster. Let's talk about how we could have got there. Like, what was the obstacle that we didn't overcome? What was the obstacle? So we, I just had this the other day and they said, well, we, we work at 11 in the morning. Okay, then we go at 9 in the morning on your way to work. So like we just, we go quick. So when you're doing those homes, you know, and they're starting to get interested, explaining the things that you covered in the buyer council, especially around pulling the right levels, levers will help your buyers. I'm getting a lot of questions from buyers too, because I think of the chatter. It's an FHA loan bad. No, it's not bad. So, you know, I'm even VA. Is VA loan bad? No, it's not bad. But I'm explaining to them 
from our perception, from our perspective as the buying team, right? I'm like, we're a team. So from the buy, this is our perspective on our loan, whatever it is, or on our scenario and our offer, whatever it is. But then I say to them, I work for you, but let me switch and let me help you see the seller's perspective. I think it's really important to explain to buyers throughout the process what the seller might be thinking and what the seller might be going through. And I personally, because it works for me, I always preface it with something like, Craig, I am, I'm on your team. Like we are a team. And so, but I want to just for a minute, give you a sneak peek into what's going on on the seller side. So that can help us present a better offer. And it works. Like then they're like, oh, okay. Because I never want them to feel like I'm not on their side. I'm working for, like, I'm not working for the seller. I work for but they need to know, hey, if, if this were you and you were selling this house and you had 12 offers in front of you, here's how you might look at them. Here are the things you might consider. All of a sudden, it helps those folks that are having a hard time um, pulling some of those levers in the offer because they feel like we're being so aggressive maybe or they're having to make a quick decision. All of a sudden, it helps them make better decisions on their offer. So, so anyway, so that's what I do. Also, I will talk about um, for a minute. Oh, jump in, or if anybody has anything to add, I'm like, what do I mean? I'm not right. So, jump in, don't be afraid. Um, but let me say this too for creative, you guys. I don't care if we think the builders are booked up in my area for two years, I'm calling the builders. Every time I have somebody, what do you have? Is something falling through? Is there something coming? Did somebody change their mind? Did you decide to build some more homes as I talked to you a month ago? Guess what? I'm getting people into new construction. Uh, I've got a couple builders calling me, you know, and I don't leave and list for them. They're just calling me and they're like, well, I know you've been all over me. Um, who are the flippers in your area? Are they flipping? Call them. Get build relationships. What can you do for them? What can they do for you? I'm not listing for half the flippers either right now in my market that I'm selling homes for. I don't care. I'm not focused on that. A couple of them, the, their wife or their husband is the listening agent. But I'm calling them and building relationships. They're calling me. Hey, Amy, I have one coming up in this town. It's, you know, 300000 Do you have anybody in that price point? Because I've called them enough times with certain budgets that they're thinking of me. So don't think like you're a bother. And then FIV votes. Call those FIV votes. They are out there. They are not all sold. I promise you. I, I love it. The first thing they say to me, I'm not going to list my house with you. Great. I don't want you to. I got a buyer. So I have 37 buyers. Could I bring a few by? Because that's enough. That's a true number. Count the number of buyers in your pipeline, folks. I don't care if you have three. That's impressive to a physical that's not sold. So, right? But the fact that I get 37 buyers, I keep saying that number over and over again because it's true. Because I sell home and I have more buyers. So I've been sitting between 37 and 40 buyers for months that I just keep working on, keep trying to get under a contract. Um, call those FISBOs. You will get, I have like four deals, well, three now, one closed under contract. Get off market deals, right? So, FISBOs think they're on the market. We know they're not. So, let's help them. So, and if they're sold, they're sold. So, um, but you, it works. And then I would just say, get, cre get creative, get creative in your offer. So, have some fun, show your clients personality um, and have some fun. Some, some of the homes that um, my buyers have gotten offers accepted for, um, some of it, a lot, some of it came from just my me building the relationship with the listing agent. So calling the listing agent, making sure when I showed the home, I gave prompt, good 
constructive feedback, making sure that I kept them in the loop as I was preparing to write an offer, as I was writing the offer, making sure I called them and said, hey, what is the seller looking for? What do they need? What do they want? What's important to them? Please tell me. And by the way, if they don't answer my phone call, text them. What realtor doesn't want a great text message? They'll text me back all day long, won't they? So they will. Um, use positive. I mean, I'm telling my folks go in with your best price, but if then, but then if there's any room, let's do an escalation. And I'm explaining escalation, I, but I'm re, but don't write a bad offer and drop an escalation in because that's not going to get you looked at. It's not going to get you looked at from the listing agent. I want them to know. And then I explain it. When I send an offer over to the listing agent, I know they got a lot of people coming at them. I'm putting together a good, strong package with a nice cover letter so they know with bullet points so they know, hey, this is what's in my offer. Boom, 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 boom. And this is what else we're willing to do. And I am here for you. And here's how long I work with the lender. And here's how, here's how I know the buyers. And I'm not writing a love letter, but I'm telling them their story. I don't care. Because some of them are forwarding those offers. And some of them are looking at my bullet points. And it's really easy to grab my information. And so they're using it. And guys, I'm winning. So some of this is working. <laughs> Amy? No, some of this is working. Yes, Anita. Um, could I jump in here, too? One thing I was going to say. Um, I was just going to say... Uh, on the front side, obviously price is the biggest thing, but the other thing we always have to remember is that many of these sellers are turning into buyers and they're gonna have the same issues that buyers are having. And so if we can help them deal with that through the way that we write the contract for our buyers with the fast close, the extra long rent back so that they have time to now go out get in this market and do the exact same thing, um, so educating our buyers on the front side, when we do that buyer's consultation about how long do you have, can you be flexible with your move date? Because it can save you money by not having to be, I mean, somebody could bid 10,000 over and do the rent back for, and beat somebody that was 20,000 over and has a drop dead date. They need to move in right at closing. Right. So they've now saved money. Um, so I think that's also something that we, you know, I hear it, but I don't hear it as much as I hear appraisal waivers and price and price and price. And I think it's it's a big factor that would really help a lot of people today. I agree with you. And I'm glad that you brought that up and we talked you talked about it that way because it is super, super important to show the seller that we can give flexibility and that we're willing to give flexibility to get them to their next destination. That is a great point. So, and that really can make the difference in a winning offer. So, oh, very good. Right. We are at the end of our call. I guess what I would quickly say is hang in there. You know, hang in there with your buyers. Um, the more you can communicate, educate, reward them for the milestones, high five them, put cards in the mail for the milestones that they're achieving, send them fun text messages. Um, the, the, the long, the, the, they won't get fatigued as quickly. They're going to hang in there longer and they're going to understand what's going on and they're going to be ready. I don't want them to be afraid, but I want them to know we're in for a good fight and we're going to, we're going to find the home and we're going to win on the home. It's just about finding the home. You know, I don't want them to feel like we're going to lose and we're never going to get a home and they're settling. They're not. We just didn't get to the right house. So get out there and get those buyers in a contract, everybody. Have a great, great Thursday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Amy. Great job. 
If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.